This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of suprascapular neuropathy from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Suprascapular neuropathy is compression of the suprascapular nerve that most commonly occurs at the suprascapular notch or spinal glenoid notch by a mass, for example, a cyst. Diagnosis can be suspected clinically with weakness and atrophy of the infraspinatus or supraspinatus and confirmed with MRI studies showing cysts in the suprascapular notch or spinal glenoid notch. Treatment of suprascapular nerve compression at the suprascapular notch requires decompression of a cyst when present. Treatment of a spinal glenoid cyst requires either decompression or repair of an associated labral lesion if present. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to etiology, the pathophysiology of suprascapular notch entrapment leads to weakness of both supraspinatus and infraspinatus. The pathophysiology of spinal glenoid notch entrapment will lead to weakness of infraspinatus only. Associated conditions with suprascapular neuropathy include slap tears. Now let's talk about some relevant anatomy. So the suprascapular nerve, which receives contributions from C5 and C6, emerges off the superior trunk of the brachial plexus. The suprascapular nerve travels across the posterior triangle of the neck to the scapula and innervates the supraspinatus and infraspinatus. The suprascapular ligament arises from the medial base of the coracoid and overlies the suprascapular notch. Note that the suprascapular artery runs above and the suprascapular nerve runs below. Finally, the spinal glenoid ligament arises near the spinal glenoid notch and overlies the distal suprascapular nerve. Now, let's talk about suprascapular notch entrapment. So as a quick introduction, this involves proximal compression of the suprascapular nerve in the suprascapular notch, which leads to weakness of both the supraspinatus and infraspinatus. As far as the pathoanatomy, know that compression can be from a ganglion cyst, often associated with labral tears, transverse scapular ligament entrapment, or fracture callus. The presentation of suprascapular notch entrapment includes symptoms of deep, diffuse posterolateral shoulder pain. Physical exam may reveal pain with palpation of the suprascapular notch, weakness of the supraspinatus, and know that weakness is seen with shoulder abduction to 90 degrees, 30 degrees of forward flexion, and with internal rotation. This is otherwise known as a positive Job test. Physical exam may also reveal weakness of the infraspinatus, specifically weakness to external rotation with the elbow at the side. Finally, physical exam may also reveal atrophy along the posterior scapula. Moving on to evaluation, an MRI is important to identify a compressive mass with an associated cyst. An EMG slash nerve conduction study is diagnostic. Treatment of suprascapular notch entrapment can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes activity modification and an organized shoulder rehab program. This is indicated when there is no structural lesion seen on MRI. The technique will involve rehab that should be performed for a minimum of six months. Operative options include surgical nerve decompression at the suprascapular notch. This is indicated when there is a structural lesion seen on MRI, specifically a cyst, and another indication is failure of extended non-operative management, which is defined as approximately one year. Now, let's talk about spinal glenoid notch entrapment. So as a quick introduction, this involves distal compression of the suprascapular nerve, which affects the infraspinatus only. As far as the pathoanatomy, compression can be due to posterior labral tears causing a cyst, spinal glenoid ligament, spinal glenoid notch ganglion, and traction injury, which is seen in 45% of volleyball players. Compression can also be due to transglenoid fixation, as this lies 1.5 centimeters medial to the glenoid labrum. In terms of presentation of spinal glenoid notch entrapment, symptoms include deep, diffuse posterolateral shoulder pain. 
Physical exam may reveal infraspinatus weakness, that is weakness to external rotation with the elbow at the side, infraspinatus atrophy along the posterior scapula, and know that the supraspinatus strength will be normal. In terms of evaluation, an MRI is important to identify posterior labral lesions with associated cysts. EMG slash nerve conduction velocities will be diagnostic. Treatment of spinal glenoid notch entrapment can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes activity modification and an organized shoulder rehab program, and this is indicated when there's no structural lesion seen on MRI, and the technique will involve posterior shoulder capsule stretching. Operative options include labral repair with or without arthroscopic cyst decompression. This is indicated in the setting of a labral lesion with an associated cyst seen on MRI. Another operative option is a spinal glenoid ligament release with nerve decompression. This is indicated when there's no structural lesion seen on MRI and when there's a failure of extended non-operative management, which is again defined as approximately one year. The posterior approach is commonly used and you will decompress the nerve in the spinal glenoid notch. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 27-year-old volleyball player complains of worsening right posterolateral shoulder pain and weakness for the past four weeks. She denies any injury to the shoulder. Her examination reveals five out of five muscle strength with shoulder elevation, abduction, and internal rotation. She's found to have weakness, however, in external rotation with the elbow at the side, and gross inspection is remarkable for mild atrophy along the posterior scapula. She has an unremarkable liftoff test. Which nerve and corresponding site of compression is most likely responsible? And the choices are one, suprascapular nerve and suprascapular notch, two, axillary nerve and quadrilateral space, three, suprascapular nerve and spinal glenoid notch, four, upper subscapular nerve and spinal glenoid notch, and five, radial nerve and triangular interval. The correct answer to this question is three, suprascapular nerve and spinal glenoid notch. So this clinical scenario is suggestive of infraspinatus muscle weakness due to suprascapular nerve compression at the spinal glenoid notch. Both the supraspinatus and infraspinatus are innervated by the suprascapular nerve. This nerve emerges off the superior trunk with contributions from C5 and C6 of the brachial plexus. At the scapula, it traverses through the suprascapular notch beneath the suprascapular ligament to innervate the supraspinatus muscle and continues distally through the spinal glenoid notch to innervate the infraspinatus muscle. Compression proximally at the suprascapular notch would result in both supraspinatus and infraspinatus weakness. In this vignette, only the supraspinatus appears to be involved as demonstrated with weakness in external rotation with the arm at the side and posterior scapular atrophy. Safran et al. explains that while isolated suprascapular nerve injuries are uncommon, they remain the most frequently injured peripheral branch of the brachial plexus in athletes. Suprascapular nerve palsies should be considered in throwing athletes and those athletes exposed to repetitive trauma such as baseball players, tennis players, weightlifters, swimmers, and volleyball players. Piasecki et al. discusses how traction neuropathy may occur following excessive nerve excursion with overhead sports or as the result of a massive retracted rotator cuff tear in older patients. He further discusses surgical treatment following failed conservative management and reports that surgery provides reliable pain relief with improvements in function. However, return of strength and muscle bulk is less predictable. Aval et al. discusses neurovascular injuries to the athlete's shoulder and the sites of suprascapular nerve entrapment. Electrodiagnostic studies are often helpful in making the diagnosis. MRI and ultrasound are useful in demonstrating ganglion cysts, muscle atrophy, and associated labral pathology. The mainstay of treatment remains conservative management with activity modification, anti-inflammatory medication, 
and periscapular muscle strengthening. Surgical intervention is merited when there is no improvement after six months of conservative management. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, suprascapular nerve and suprascapular notch is incorrect as this patient demonstrates no supraspinatus weakness. Therefore, compression of the suprascapular nerve must be after innervation to the supraspinatus. Answer two, axillary nerve and quadrilateral space is incorrect as compression of the axillary nerve and the quadrilateral space will often demonstrate weakness with forward elevation and abduction. Answer four, upper subscapular nerve and spinal glenoid notch is incorrect as the upper and lower subscapular nerves innervate the subscapularis muscle. This muscle contributes to internal rotation of the shoulder and may be tested with the lift-off test. Additionally, the subscapular nerve does not traverse the spinal glenoid notch. Finally, answer five, radial nerve and triangular interval is incorrect as the radial nerve runs through the triangular interval along the profunda brachii artery in the posterior compartment of the arm. Compression of this nerve will demonstrate weakness with elbow and wrist extension. Moving on to the next question. A 44-year-old male presents with a two-month history of posterior shoulder pain. He's noted to have normal forward flexion and abduction strength and isolated weakness on shoulder external rotation. He has slight atrophy of his periscapular area. He has no numbness or paresthesias. Which pathology would best explain his symptoms? And the choices are 1. Cranial nerve 11 palsy. 2. Spinal glenoid notch cyst. 3. Axillary nerve palsy. 4. Suprascapular notch cyst. And 5. Parsonage-Turner syndrome. The correct answer to this question is 2. Spinal glenoid notch cyst. So this patient exhibits weakness with shoulder external rotation. Entrapment of the suprascapular nerve at the spinal glenoid notch would cause isolated infraspinatus muscle weakness and atrophy in the infraspinatus fossa. Assist at the suprascapular notch also involves the suprascapular nerve, however more proximally. Pathology at this site would involve both the supraspinatus and infraspinatus, and the patient would also have weakness with shoulder abduction along with external rotation. Warner et al., in their anatomical study, studied the relationship of the suprascapular nerve as it courses along the scapula. They comment on the course of the suprascapular nerve as it runs obliquely across the supraspinatus fossa underneath the transverse scapular ligament. Piasecki et al. performed a study on suprascapular neuropathy, and they note that the suprascapular nerve follows a tortuous course from the neck to the posterior shoulder and can have several sites of entrapment, particularly at the vulnerable suprascapular and spinal glenoid notches. They recommend nerve decompression after failure of non-surgical measures by either arthroscopic or open surgery. And moving on to the final question. A patient with shoulder pain and weakness has an MRI showing a cyst in the suprascapular notch. Which of the following muscles is most likely to show weakness? And the choices are 1, deltoid, 2, supraspinatus, 3, supraspinatus and infraspinatus, 4, infraspinatus, and 5, teres minor. The correct answer to this question is 3, supraspinatus and infraspinatus. So the suprascapular notch is proximal to the point where the suprascapular nerve innervates both the supraspinatus and the infraspinatus, therefore compression would cause weakness of both. To quickly review, compression at the spinal glenoid notch will affect only the infraspinatus as the suprascapular nerve has already innervated the supraspinatus by this point. The teres minor and deltoid are both innervated by the axillary nerve. The axillary nerve passes through the quadrangular space and compression here could result in denervation of the posterior deltoid. Spinal glenoid notch cysts are classically seen in volleyball players and associated with slap tears. 
Martin et al. reviewed the outcomes of 24 overhead athletes who underwent arthroscopic debridement of labral tears. Results were good to excellent in 21 of the 24 patients when there was no gross instability or Bankart lesion present. Meister et al. reviewed the evaluation and treatment of the throwing athlete. Rotator cuff weakness, labral tears, and paralabral cysts are discussed. Treatment is based on the pathoanatomy of the throwing shoulder, and most athletes will achieve successful rehabilitation with non-operative care. That's all for this review about suprascapular neuropathy. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.